Hi, <laughs> welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. <laughs> uh, it's me, it's Jake. Hello. Uh, welcome. So this episode is going to be like a little bit different than usual, and I will explain to you why right now. <laughs> so the episode that we most recently released, um, it was me and Sebastiano Pitricello sitting down and talking about a few comedy festival shows. And, and one of the shows we talked about was Ned Kelly, The Big Gay Musical. And I would suggest maybe listening to that episode, or at least that part of that episode before you listen to this one, if you want like a full beefy understanding of what the context of this is. But yeah, so Sebastiano and I talked about Ned Kelly, the big game musical, and I brought up, among a bunch of other things, I, I brought up the fact of the show had me feeling a bit offended by some things, it, it kind of like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, it hit me in a strange way in terms of things relating to like gay representation, uh, the role of gayness in the piece, and you know, a few other things. And uh, yeah, we released the episode, and then I reached out to the show, um, because Part of what I have, like, you know, for quite some time time now, really, really hated about reviewing culture in this country is the fact that there is really no, like, right of reply. There is no real proper understood way for an artist to engage with someone that's considered themselves to be smart enough to be a theatre critic. They, they seem to just be these people that are allowed to, like, spew whatever they want into the media landscape, and then we all have to deal with what they say. Um, yeah, and, you know, with the platform that we have here at, you know, Praise Dionysus, praise him, <laughs> um, yeah, we certainly have no interest in perpetuating that garbage behavior. So yeah, yeah. So I reached out to Ned Kelly and co and yeah, spoke briefly with Sonny Youngsmith, the wonderful producer over there. And they put me into contact with Kane. And yeah, so now Kane Hansen, the writer and director and one of the stars of Ned Kelly, the big game musical is about to turn up and talk to me. And yeah, you are about to hear a conversation that I'm about to have with Kane Hansen um, about his work, about him, and about uh, his intentions with the show and certainly a bunch of other things. I'm sure it will likely sometimes get rambly. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation um, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Kane. Hello, Jake. Hi. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yes. That's good. Great. Um, yeah, because of course, so your show, Ned Kelly, the big gay musical. Is there a colon after the Kelly? There was, and then I got rid of it. Why was that? Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I, I, I uh, got a little bit grammatical and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, Ned Kelly and then the big gay musical. But then I just stopped putting the colon in because I got bored of it. So, <laughs> so now it's just one long sentence. Yeah. Oh, fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sure. And I believe tonight is closing night in terms of the world we're in. Tonight yeah, closes. Yeah. Tonight's closing and um, we've got a few little things that we might be redoing it again. So a few places we'll be doing it again. So yeah. Oh, amazing. So like a tour is like in the works. Maybe. We're, okay. You know, we're going to, me and Sunny are going to sit down and reassess and look and look at some dates and yeah, maybe do it at Fringe, at Melbourne Fringe and um, do it in Ballarat where I'm currently living at the moment and yeah, maybe Adelaide next year too. Oh my God, hot for like the Fringe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. have you been to Adelaide for the Fringe before? As a punter, but not as a creative. Okay, yeah. sure. Mm. What is the, with Adelaide? Because I think I've only been, I've been to Perth once and then with Adelaide... Is there, what, how does Adelaide tend to go? That's a super comedy-ish? Or am I just simplifying things? 
I when I went there, I saw a lot of comedy. Yeah, and they've got the Garden of Unearthly Delights, which is just like incredible. But yeah, yeah, it does. I think they've got their Fringe Festival, and I don't know. Someone who's listening probably has been there lots of times and would know so much more. And it's just me. rolling their eyes at our <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cursory understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, how like, broadly speaking, how has your like comedy festival experience been? Like as an artist, as a person watching stuff, what's it been yeah. like for you this year? Yeah, it's been good. It's like, um, I'm currently in a apartment with the rest of the band that's playing, so that's been like really nice to catch up with them and hang out and, um just like kind of relax because for a lot of us we've taken this time off of work as well so Mm. we're trying to like holiday as well so yeah yeah, seeing shows and um hanging out and meeting other artists as well has been really nice i always like comedy festival for that they seem everyone seems very supportive and um willing to go to see other people's shows and it in at least my experience, it doesn't feel as like competitive as Melbourne Fringe or anything like that. I feel oh, like that on. can get a little bit like by yeah, heads. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really like Comedy Festival for that. Every it's just funny people like celebrating other people's funny work. So oh, yeah, God, that's so beautiful. That's mm. a nice little sentence. Sure. Do you have any suspicions about why Melbourne Fringe feels more head buddy? I I don't know. It just. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I have no suspicions. It's yeah. just, I've just felt like it gets a little bit more, um, it feels a bit more, uh, yeah, combat- a bit more competitive and it, yeah, it feels like people aren't as receptive to going to see other people's work. That That's just my experience though. Other people sure. might also. No, I've heard that said by other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is part of why I ask. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. about, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's, um. I don't know if there's a bit of art wank as well in there. You get a bit more art wankers in <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melbourne Fringe. like, And so there's a bit more seriousness to the festival and yeah. weight. And okay, sure. Whereas so much more of the comedy festival is a bit more like frivolous and goofy and like kind of inherently self-deprecating in some sort of way, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah? yeah. Oh, cool. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the show. Ned Kelly, mm. The Big Game Musical, no colon due to disinterest. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, first off, as I as you probably heard in, my, in the last episode, mm. I have a very, very flimsy understanding of who Ned Kelly is. Mm. I guessed my way through his history with Sebastiano. So yeah. I imagine you have at least a slightly more well-rounded understanding of yeah. who he was and what he got up to. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know? I'm a huge lover of history. Like, it's one of my greatest loves. So um, diving into this was... I didn't really know much about Ned Kelly before um, I got into the work. Okay. Because um, did the work start with you? Yes. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. So yeah. you found Ned and then you fell in the hole of Ned? The, or? the show title name actually came first. <laughs> that was the first thing, yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I um, someone said hey go you should go write a grant for a new work and I kind of sat there and I thought about something and then I thought about Ned Kelly the big gay musical and I just thought how funny it was to that there would just be some person wearing a southern cross tattoo on their chest and just how mad they would get at that sentence amazing yeah (laughs) and I and I, I thought it was so dangerous um, and I was like, oh, you wouldn't be able to do that. There'd be too many like people enraged by that. Yeah. And then I thought, no, I think you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then as I got into the history, so I kind of came, thought of that title a few years ago and then 
I felt like I needed to do a few more comedy fests, a few more music comedy shows. So I did two um, before I could put on a big production with yep. people and um, a band, live band. Because musical comedy is like your thing, isn't it? That's, At the moment, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of what I've honed into. I kind of Because I've always been in bands throughout my creative life and always acting. And then during COVID, I just had this kind of um, light bulb moment where I got sick of trying to do every single one of them and it didn't really work. So I was like, oh, let's see if I just smush them together. Yeah. And that was really scary because it's like, how do you make songs funny? (laughs) How do you? I don't know. Okay, sure. I still don't know. I'm still (laughs) learning and... um, it's awesome seeing other musical comedians in the festival and just being like, oh, well, that's how they do it. Or um, I think something definitely in my first show, I um, even though it got dramatic at points... Because um, which one was your first show? It was called Wonderwall. Great. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the, the poster. Yeah. That was all about death and my experiences with death. Um, and that was fun. Um, but something I think I've learned from that is like, oh, it's okay to have a musical comedy show and like the song not be... Like, all the songs don't have to be funny all the time. And sure. It's always jokes and gay. It's okay to, like, let things land. and like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's been nice too. Okay, sure. Was that one of the major lessons that you learned from your first show? Uh, that and I don't like to talk about my life too much. Oh, cool. I, 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 I think I did a bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a cheeky internet. And, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm so into this conversation immediately. <laughs> what do you consider to be pulling in the net? What oh, is that? Um, pulling on a, a, a looking at uh, a deep, a deeply traumatic experience in your life and kind of unpacking it mm. in a comedic way with no way the talent that Hannah Gatsby did it or no way uh, <laughs> the, you know, like, I don't think anyone left my show and went, whoa, that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to look at suicide differently no I'm <laughs> sure you're wrong I'm certain no you're a smart uh, person no at yeah. least one person certainly had an epiphany of some sort yeah so uh, so that was um, and I think I just um, I think I realised too I remember one of the teachers uh, at BCA talked about a lot about how sometimes artists who are constantly putting their trauma on stage it can get it can they can almost subconsciously start to find more trauma mm. in their life to be like, I've got to make a new show. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think it's so brave when other artists do it, but I think for me it was a, and I'm so glad I did it, mm. that I still lay in bed at night and sometimes go, oh, I'm cringing. What? <laughs> cringing at what? About remembering I, the things you said? I, I think about being so vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. I think about being vulnerable and being kind of showcasing that part of my life and, and it's definitely something like I've, I've worked through and, um, and I was happy to share it. But I, I think it just, I think I was like, I don't think I'm the artist that's going to show the traumas in my life. And I still respect people that do. But for me, it mm. was like, no, cool. I'd rather do it through allegory and <laughs> through a character on stage. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, yeah, rather than me being like, hey, this is Kane and I've gone through this and... Sure. Yeah. God, that's I've been suicidal in my life and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I, I was like, awesome, I did it. Mm. Great. I did it. I did a show where it's all funny, but then there's a serious point and then it gets funny again. <laughs> but I don't know if I'd do it again. Okay, wow, that's fascinating. That's a cool <laughs> thing to learn about yourself. Yeah. Sure. With so, that first show, were you were you pulled... I'm just curious, when it comes to, like, especially, like, personal 
heavily emotional types of things and whether or not it was a thing of you being influenced by things like Nanette or being fresh out of like going through drama school was it your feelings needing to be voiced and then it turned into a show or were you like people have sort of shown me that this is a cool way to make a show and then you tried it and it just didn't really react well with your body I think both yeah um and look I'm 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 really happy with it and I'm happy I did it I'm not like oh even though I'm like, oh... Like, you wouldn't undo it. You wouldn't... No, no, it. no, yeah, no. I'm, cool. I'm so happy I did it. And, and you're glad people have it in their memories. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm cool. not like, why did I do that? I'm like, oh, it was, you know... And it was a very... I think it was a vulnerable sto- uh, story for me to share something so personal and something I guess I'd only talked about with my close friends and mm. family yeah. and to kind of open that up to um, a viewing audience I was really happy with and yeah. just kind of... Um, and, you know, hearing some people who had gone through a similar experience, um, uh, hearing them, like, uh, say, like, that was really incredible. I've got, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's God. really great. Yeah. So, yeah, I... And in relation to your question, yeah, I I had seen a bunch of shows where they'd kind of done... It felt like after I'd kind of done my show, I'd seen a lot more. I'm like, oh, everyone's kind of doing it. This festival. <laughs> everyone's laying out there. Um, and, and, I re- and I really loved it. I just think... Um, I, uh, I think as well, post-COVID as well, I think the comedy, I was like, I really like absurd, crazy stuff in a way to help me cope with <laughs> the world. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I think I think my personal uh, stuff I deal with on a daily basis, I think I'd like to keep with within me. Yeah, yeah. And that was nice to um, look at too, yeah, mm. to feel that as well. But yeah. still happy to lay it all raw yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that show <laughs> sure oh that's great yeah oh my god no no to any of those sorts of like artistic forks in the road or whatever like whatever they are it's like they seem like they're the formative things that really help you even you being able to reflect upon yourself and be like i want to make this type of art and i'm this type of artist mm. those lessons are so at least i find impossible to consciously find but mm. then when you learn them you can really feel like you've learned something yeah yeah that's so beautiful mm. Um, great. So I'm intrigued by what you said about Southern Cross Tattoo Man mm, yes. <laughs> um, and your desire to enrage this person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so talk me through like elements of even just like that excitement because I really, really love it and relate to that feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Um, it, so I've worked at Sovereign Hill, which yep. is an 1850s museum um, in Ballarat. Yeah. And I've worked there for almost 10 years there on and off. And, so you um, are currently an employee there? Uh, currently, yep. very sporadically, but currently there. Okay. And it's ju- I've just always found how fascinating it is. A lot of the people that come through and a lot of the men that come through are often, uh, you know, uh, your typical kind of really masculine, love Ned Kelly, sh- guns, shooting. <laughs> I have to shoot a gun at my job. Oh which my is, God. Because like, what are you? You're are you like a character, or you're like playing like a blacksmith? So uh, I'm not a blacksmith. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Tim in the band for the show, he he's actually a blacksmith. So that's there. a full on fact. So that man in the band that you say is a blacksmith is a blacksmith. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Like a working today blacksmith. Today he's got a, he's doing an apprenticeship in blacksmithing, and he runs the blacksmith shop. For and, whom? Like who needs his use? Like his his talent. P- people do. Lost trades is like a huge thing at the moment in right. that world. So, yeah. Like horseshoes? No, he doesn't do them. Okay. But, uh, but he does build, like, uh, fire pokers and baskets and all these amazing metal things. And yeah. he forges metal. It's, like, really cool. 
Golly. And there's a real dearth of those people. Like, we don't have enough blacksmiths, or is the industry thriving in the right size? I, do, I wouldn't be able to tell you too much. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim would be able to sit you down and, you know, give it all. But <laughs> I think um, at the moment there is a real uh, market for bespoke uh, old trades and people who have money are willing to pay good money for, like, whoa, this was made by an actual blacksmith. It Incredible. wasn't made over in some other country, forged cheaply. And it's like, no, this has all been made here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. people are willing to... But I don't think there's enough of an... In- industry or um maybe enough of a pool of people to you can just open up your shop down on the corner yeah, right. and forge and, yeah. <laughs> anyway but, god that's a romantic sorry yes continue you're yes, working yeah, yes yeah. you're seeing people uh, at yeah and so a lot of them like especially with um guns or so one of the characters uh, is called the trooper and mm-hmm. so you often talk about um police uh, on the gold fields how corrupt they were and you fire a gun and so a lot of the time men will come up to you and just be like Oh, yeah, so what are you shooting there, mate? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I've shot one of those before. What you said about that thing, yeah, don't really know about that. But, uh, you know, from what my understanding is, and you, and I oh. don't give a shit about guns. In fact, I'm kind of morally opposed to them. But alas, it's uh, something that's a part of my job. And, sure. and uh, a part of history, I guess that's part unavoidable. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just found that so fascinating, um, just that... Those characters. Those people, you mean. Yeah. And, um, and I guess, you know, f- from coming from Ballarat as well, a lot of pubs, like talking to a lot of older men about like, well, not about masculinity, because I'm sure if you asked that question, they'd be shocked, but just the <laughs> way they present and everything and just having like a very kind of rep- <laughs> repulsed nature to it. And uh, me just kind of, uh, even though I have... <laughs> A deep empathy for some of those people because like it's just what their father has given to them has given to me in a lot of ways like, I come from a single mother household so yeah I, I guess um, I, I had to figure out what it was to be a man and it seemed like all the the kind of things that were shown to me weren't very good mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to subscribe to those like growing up sure so I think it's been a bit of a blessing but I also am just a bit of a little shit, so I just I don't know. I just I just I, I just thought, man, I like let's make a show, and um, I'd love to make Nag Kelly and the Kelly Gang story queer, and yeah, and to really like I don't know, fuck it, like why can't we? What you know, why can't there be a queer story about Nag Kelly? And yeah, um, yeah, it it's been um, yeah, it's been fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Oh yeah. my god, great. Okay, so I'm like an 11-year-old idiot. Tell me who Ned Kelly was and like what he got up to. Yeah. He, so he's basically, he's, an, he's from Irish descent. His father came from Ireland. His mother came from Ireland. They uh, started a family together. They were off in kind of, uh, you know, the northern part of Victoria. Ned and his family and other Irish people were heavily subjected by the police in 1880. And Ned went to prison for things that were just wrongly accused of. He tried to set his life straight and then um, some bad things started happening to his family. And so he thought, fuck it. Uh, it seems like he, he just wanted to make the place a better place for mm. people of Irish descent and... Um, it seemed there was a bit of a disparity between regional Victoria at that time and what was actually going on in Melbourne in terms of the policing. And so he started to make change, yeah. Right. 
Okay, through largely like like theft. Is that what he? Yeah, he did theft. He uh, he was morally opposed to the police and pretty uh, vocal about how bad they were. So, mm-hmm. um, in in his letters that he'd written to um, his one called the Geraldery letter, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about some of the experiences he's had and why he was pushed to kill the police that he had, and mm. um, when reporters when they caught him and were talking to him in jail, he, he was always talking about how the sequence of events that happened was because he was it felt like he was pushed into a corner and he only had one choice, like either be taken alive or, you know, fight his way out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, great. And, and what of his story, like, especially resonates with you? Well, going in, I was pretty, like, because I... You know, I'd seen something, um, I'd seen, like, True History of the Kelly Gang, that mm. film that came out. That Russell Crowe one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, which is a fictional book um, uh, about, like, kind of retelling Ned's story through Ned. Uh, and I, I really liked that. Because that, too, has, like, a queer ilk to it, yes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that, I thought, when I saw it, was, like, mind-blowing to me. I was like... What? How they're doing that? And like, I could just imagine all the, uh, you know, people with big beards shaking their heads, and, <laughs> uh, like, Whoa, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I'm going on a tangent. No, here, do it, but, please. Uh, it, it, yeah, it really, um, it really inspired me because, you know, there's so much queer Australian history which is just like swept under the rug and it's not talked about and like slowly you know, things are coming out and more people are looking into it and looking into like those little social cues of like, oh, actually, I think that was a queer relationship or that. Mm. And there was the um, gay bush ranger, Captain Moonlight, Mm. who, um, which is, which I like blew my mind. It's like, and was a big influence for this story. Um, Because who was Captain Moonlight? So he was a bush ranger as well. He was very charming. He, um, I believe he was in Ballarat prison for a little bit. He, uh, and I don't know too much about the ins and outs. I listened to a podcast about it. It's (laughs) it's, uh, befuddled me now. But he had this um, person in his gang called James Nesbitt, and they had a very strong relationship. Letters saying, uh, you know, essentially love letters saying. And when he was hung, uh, executed Captain Moonlight, he was like, please put me with James. And they were like, that's a bit weird. We're not going to do that. Right. They separated them. And funnily enough, in the 90s, a lady came forward, read all these letters and was like, these guys are two really good friends and they should be together because of Aussie mateship. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so she upheld, she, they, it was a big process. They got his remains out. They put, him, they put them together. And then a bunch of people have been like, these guys aren't friends. They, they're obviously lovers. And there's this really amazing article. I don't know the name of it, but a, um, a journalist who went to meet with this lady and mm. she's like wearing a Captain Moonlight t-shirt, but she's also like very right wing, very like, and she, he goes and chats with her and they talk for a while. And then he brings up like, what do you think about that? Captain Moonlight was gay. And she's like, 
Oh, so she wasn't pranking people. No, She just thought they were close. She's like, no, they're just really good friends. You know, their story's the epitome of Australian larrikinism and mateship, and I knew they had to be together because that's what he requested. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad she exists, but how (laughs) does she exist? (laughs) Yeah, uh, and I thought that whole story was incredible that this um, (laughs) this complete person... would uh, this person would exhume someone's remains and I don't know be a bit blind to the to the yeah. whole thing? Yeah, that's wonderful. They're good on like, you know, good on it. Good on Yeah, I wouldn't know how to begin getting a body moved around. No, no, no. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's. I think that's really, it's really awesome that that. that story happened and exists. Yeah, oh my god. these two people are back together. No, and thank you for sharing that. That's really (laughs) wonderful. That needs to be in my brain. That's great. (laughs) Um, In terms of the show's development and how it took shape and became what it is currently and what it will continue to become, Mm. um, has there been like a question or a passion or a a thing you've been interrogating or celebrating that's been with you kind of from the start and informs the choices you make? Yeah. um, So it would probably... I guess the for me it was trying to make the story make the story something that's um, absurd and different. Um, you know, I I wanted to take the beats of the Ned Kelly story, but then add in um, add in queerness to it. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's been like I've recent like in the last two years I've kind of realize I'm bisexual so it's been a bit of a oh cool it's been a bit of a a journey for me in like learning about gay culture and yeah learning learning about that that's so, so exciting to be like recently discovering your bisexuality that's so yeah, exciting yeah cool yeah it's been awesome yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm you know I am in a heterosexual relationship and um I'm engaged but it, oh, it's, oh this is what I heard yes, yes cool yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. it's um but you know having that uh, you know, kind of hit me in the face, and uh, yeah, so it was a little bit of a me exploring that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it felt like a few pots simmering. Um, like I really, I really got in, uh, did a lot of research and listening into the village people, and I love that music and <laughs> the village, like the band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, so I was like, oh, I want the music to be disco, upbeat, fun. Yeah. But then also layering in elements of like King Gizzard and um, country. Yeah. And, um, B-52s, as uh, you guys point, pointed out in the yeah, last yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, good, good. Oh, uh, God, because the music is so impressive. That hoedown yeah. was fantastic. My Thanks. God, the sonic yeah. world that you create with this musical is just so impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first chance I think I've had to sit down and indulge in so many of what your talent is and your creations for that period of time. It was so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. No, of course, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, so there was that element, and then I think in the direction, I wanted it to be fast, snappy. Hmm. I like, kept saying when I pitched it to, um, uh, to producers, was um, I wanted it to be flaps to the wall, so instead <laughs> of balls to the wall. Um, yeah, so that was, um, that was big and uh, a big part. And then also just finding... Um, like, when I originally thought of the idea, I was like, oh, it could be with drag queens. And then I was like, oh, but I have so many amazing gender-fluid, non-binary, female-identifying artists that I know. Mm. And I'm just like... And I feel like they're, they're never getting work and they're so incredible. The, I go see them in a play and, you know, it's, it's not like... You know, they haven't got an awesome role. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, you know, 
why can't give them one drag kings yeah like, right yeah and yeah. so because a few people said oh why don't are you performing in this show could you do this show and i remember after the first script read sunny was like oh kane that was awesome you did all the voices i kind of want to see what it'd look like if you just did it all and i was <laughs> and i was like no no that's not that was what never going is. to happen no no, no okay. i was like that's not what this is about this is about me kind of just being like you know I know I can perform and that's all fun and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it, I found it really exciting to, one, like, go beyond just me doing my own little solo comedy show. Mm. Um, but to, I know, just to give people who are so incredibly talented at, at space to do what they do yeah. and write a script to let them do that. So, yeah. yeah. So that, that was real nice. But well, I wasn't trying to be like, oh, yes. This is, I was yeah. just like, oh, I just, you know. I, and the people we auditioned were just like, I, I was like, if 10 people audition, I'll be happy. And mm. yeah, we had like over 30 people audition and it was so hard to cast it. I couldn't believe it. Like, oh my God. But the, oh my God, the cast you ended up with though yeah. is insane. Oh. oh, They're so talented. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> it's t- remarkable. Did that, were they all like full on strangers to you? Somewhere. Yep. Yeah. So um, Mon, who played Dan Kelly, I met only last year, which seems surreal. They also live in Ballarat. Um, mm-hmm. But our friend, you know when you meet someone in your life and you feel like long lost friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's been quite surreal, and so they um them and another person who couldn't didn't end up being in the show slash couldn't. Um, I was kind of like, hey, I've got this idea, and I'd really love if you two were two of the cast in it. Yeah. And um, Mon was immediately like, fuck yes, let's do this. <laughs> like, love the idea, and I was still writing it at this stage, so I was like, I don't have much to show you, but. I have the concept and the idea and what it's kind of briefly outlining. Um, and then, uh, so they were the only one cast. And then from there, it was all just, uh, I invited Alan Marning to yeah. perform because I'd seen their work there. Another person I only met like a year ago, but it feels like we've known each other forever. Oh, fuck, that's nice. Because um, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're really good. And I feel like in a show that's very over the top and absurd, it's good to have an actor like Alan who can just bring mm. it back in. Yeah, One yeah. of the best auditions I've ever seen. Oh, really? Can yeah. you pinpoint why? Just for those auditionees out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they came in, they were just themselves. They were like, oh, you know, so good to be here. And then we're like, we talked a little bit about what we were going to run through that. And then they got up, they stood at the back of the wall, and then they turned around and the whole space just went, Ooh. oh my God. <sighs> It was like, we, and we were all like, we couldn't move. Uh, just from simply turning around, they just had that much like, oomph and like, masculine energy. I've never, I've never seen anything like it before. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it floored me. And it was funny because we asked them, and I, I, we were like, oh, wow, yeah, so cool. That was really good. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, we said, so who do you want to play? Is there anyone in particular? Are there any people you're not interested in? They're like, Ned. I didn't, yeah. No, nah, not interested in Ned. I, Yeah. Anyone else, though? Yeah, I'd love to play. <laughs> no! <I was> like, <laughs> nah! <laughs> for, like, moral reasons? Nah, or, the, like, they just went, oh, I don't know. Like, I, and I spoke, when I offered the role to them, I said, Alan, we can either put you as the everyone else character, mm-hmm. or... We really want you to be Ned. <laughs> like, you just, you, you just like, uh, yeah, we really need someone who can, like, is strong. And they were like, oh, I just, I feel like I just didn't know, like, if I could hold up the Ned mantle. Like, I think I was a bit intimidated. And I was like, no, I, yeah, I've yeah. never seen anything like it. And 
someone transform a space just by turning around. Yeah, my yeah. goodness. That sounds like magic. Oh. <laughs> it was. Wow. Yeah. So. God. God. That's also amazing. Just to backtrack briefly on something wonderful you said, just about the desire to give a platform to people that don't seem to necessarily have one in order to showcase what they can bring to the table. Like that, in my mind at least, is kind of like the essence of like when people talk about allyship or people talk about like observing their own privilege. Like I think that is just a remarkable thing for you to be doing as an artist in the first place. So I just want to commend you for that because no. that more people should be behaving like you are. Yeah. Like that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah it, it kind of felt like, um, yeah, I know Sunny has, uh, does a lot of stuff in the Drag King community um, and is starting to, and is really, um, yeah, knew so much about. So getting them as a producer was just like integral for me because, mm. you know, I, some of my anxieties were like, oh, well, you know, like, I'm like, oh, I'm still figuring out this whole like being bisexual thing. And like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I also feel a bit like I felt intimidated. and like, do I have the right to write this story? Do it like, you know, do I have a right to do a queer retelling? And um, speaking with Sonny about it, and after, like, the first script reading, Sonny was like, look, like, you know, we're, let's make sure that, you know, like, they're um, non-binary, and let, let's make sure that the as a producing, as a, um, as a production, let's make sure we're, you know, giving space to mm. th- these amazing queer artists and... Um, in lots of different ways, not just in like what the story is. So yeah, right. We put on a fundraiser and we did a like a, a a drag king night, and it was fundraising for our show. But it was just like another way. And a lot of the people who auditioned for our show came and did drag for that night. And so that was really special, just to see people who were like, I just want to support this and see this project succeed. And mm. um, and then also seeing them perform and see what they do best was just like yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, cool! And what a cool thing to get to be a part of at the beginning. And this is me guessing. I don't know what it's like to be in like a newly bisexual person or to be identifying as bisexual. But yeah, what is what are some of the things that you've, if you want to talk about it, like being a freshly sort of like out learning about yourself bisexual man? Yeah. What are the 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 difficulties or the surprises that come with the beginning of that journey? Uh I don't know. It's all really fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I feel like I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't say much like um, I think it was for me it was like if I really want to get like it was just this um, deepening attraction for men and mm. um, and uh, also I think myself and see how I like I guess present as a person in the world my like morals and my um, h- how I feel I just felt like you know, I'm not a masculine man. I mean, right now, <laughs> if you saw me, I have a very big beard. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, and I just I just found that, like, you know, there's nothing, I guess maybe coming from, like, a single mother home, like, there's just, there's nothing I feel more, like, lovely about than if I'm in a space with, like, other women, like, that they feel safe. Yeah, right. And I've often found when I think people think that I'm gay, because <laughs> some people are shocked when they're like, oh, you're not. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I often, it's, I find it interesting. It's like, if someone thinks I'm straight, uh, particularly women, uh, you know, they, it's like this, I don't know what the energy is, but if they yeah. think I'm gay, it's this immediate, like, <laughs> you know, they'll be like all over me and they really trust, like, you know, not in a sexual way, no, but like, course, you know, yeah. they're touching me and they're like, you know, then they, 
And I'm just like, that's so interesting yeah. that like that trust that that's there. And I, I and I find that deeply um, honoring. Like it's like yeah. that's so beautiful that you know someone trusts me that they're able to share themselves in that way. That's like that's really nice. And yeah, not to feel like I'm a guy and I'm leering at you. And if I get a chance, I'll fuck you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's not my intent. That's not how I like to be. I I like people as people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sure. And some people I do want to fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not asexual, but you know, it, it. You know, it's nice to. Um. So I guess that you know, answered your question about being newly bi. It's like f- feeling that and feeling that. Um. Yeah, that push and pull. Mm. Mm. Cool. God. All right. Great. Oh, cool. So let's talk in then a bit. Yeah, you're talking about like making space for people, filling it up with, making sure that people feel comfortable expressing themselves and who they are and all the identities that are at play and in the room. Um, yeah, and let's like, I guess start talking a little bit about the stuff that you heard us talk about on the podcast, the things that like I was certainly wrestling with during the show mm-hmm. and leaving it and, to, and yeah, thinking about like, I guess largely like specifically like gay man representation mm. because yeah, with the show itself, it's the gay musical as opposed mm-hmm. to like the queer musical, the camp musical, the, the like sparkling musical, like it's a gay musical. Um, and features, and stop me if at any point I say the incorrect thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the characters themselves are, in our world, played by a combination of, um, women and, like, non-binary performers playing, performing as drag kings, playing gay men in the Kelly gang. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, with that being, like, (laughs) the bedrock of us and the listeners' understandings of how the show takes place and functions. Mm. Um, yeah, what role do you see gay manness playing in the piece? Yeah, it's... Um, for me, it was uh, just... I guess, like, for that, like, something I thought about was, like, you know, what if Ned and uh, Joe were in a relationship and then kind of Steve and Dan being this, like, newly formed thing, a thing that's kind of growing... And that Ned's dream is to instead, because there was this whole thing in the actual Ned Kelly story where he wanted to set up um, his own colony because he felt like, and break away, I think it was called the East Gippsland Colony, the North East Gippsland Colony. Okay. And so I thought, oh, what what if instead it was um, Ned trying to establish the queerdom of Slatoria? So (laughs) instead of just being like, oh, I want a space that's free for Irish and stuff, like I want a space where queer people can come and this is like a safe space and and then they go th- through time anyway but um, <laughs> yeah so I, I guess um you know I did have I remember having conversations with Sunny and they were like oh it's a bit more queer rather than gay and I was like oh yeah it probably is but it's like the title's already out <laughs> and like you know that's so funny it's, yeah and it was a bit of a pun on like my big fat Greek wedding. Okay, cool. And it was funny because someone said apparently when one of the ushers, when they were letting people in the show, like, Ned Kelly, the big fat gay musical. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's, I mean, they've kind of, someone was like, yeah, I thought maybe when I came in, it was going to be like fat phobic or something. Like, oh my God. <laughs> which you dodged. You did not <laughs> fall into fat phobia, which is always good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so... Yeah, um, and I guess, uh, yeah, I guess, what, like, something I, I tried to do is uh, really take the piss out of heterosexual culture. Mm-hmm. 
and, and it's, uh, particularly the everyone else character that was kind of their that what I was trying to do but mm. in that they also had other characters like the little gay man and the hostage who's obviously uh, the hostage character who is just meant to be a heterosexual man just trying to mm. to get into this Kelly gang and they don't they don't quite understand why <laughs> why they want to be in it but they want to be in it um, yeah mm-hmm um, yeah, and so yeah, you listen to the episode, me and Sebastiano talking about the show and the things that kind of like stuck, I say more so with me, with as I'm sure you heard, Sebastiano yeah, yeah. being largely like a heterosexual man, him coming at it with the lens that he has and being kind of like not sensitive to the things that I perhaps mm. were more, I don't know, vulnerable to, things that maybe only like a gay person could necessarily be that sensitive to, I suppose, or something, like, you know, yeah. the biases and the lenses that we all walk around our lives with. Um, but yeah, is there anything that we sort of talked about that you'd be interested in like touching upon? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it was, it was really interesting, like, hearing you say, like, oh, it kind of, at points, offended me, and I was, like, I kind of sat there, like, oh, shit, like, fuck, like, what, what have I done? <laughs> oh, no! Um, you know, uh, I guess as I was writing it, and as I was doing it, and showing it to other people that hadn't come up, like, oh, are you guys kind of taking the piss out of gay people? And I was, like, oh, you know, I guess what I thought was, like, oh, no, I'm taking largely the piss out of heterosexual culture and um but you know i guess because i only listened to the podcast like two hours ago I, mm. i'm trying to run through the show of like oh what are the moments where like that could be because that was never my intention oh <laughs> so, of course my god yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i wasn't like yeah i want to i want a show to stick <laughs> stick it to the gay community that's what this is all been about. we deserve it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it, so it, it was, uh, it was, it, it's, yeah, it's something I think I'll have to think about, reflect on more. Sure. Um, no, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And think about like, what are those moments that are like, oh, that's kind of, can, can you think of anything in particular that you went away from? Like, that's not really, well, that's, that's funny. Like, yeah. Where I'm, it feels like I was taking the piss. Sure, sure. I, I don't know. No, well, knowing you, I, I never at once, like, at no point in my mind was like, oh my God, is Kane a homophobe? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was truly never even a hypothesis. No, so I think it was more of like, and it felt like it was maybe done out of like, yeah, I could sort of see, in my mind, even like unpicking, unpicking it and unpacking it in the days after, it was like with the inclusion of so many things and, and the wonderful inclusion of like such diversity in, in all the ways we've been talking about, it seems like maybe the one excluded one was the one that was kind of like front and center. And for that reason, kind of felt <laughs> there was like, a, I guess, maybe like a small sense that maybe it was kind of like everyone else in the LGBT rainbow pointing at the one that they'd all decided to gang up on that day. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that was something that somehow <laughs> the concoction of so much inclusivity created the ultimate exclusion. <laughs> you know, some sort of arithmetic like that. I'm not yeah. sure. But no, in terms of like moments, I'd say maybe it's just because like me growing up as a gay man and then seeing instances of like, because in the show there are, as you say, like two relatively kind of like recognizably conventional gay love, like gay gay matches, like mm-hmm. two two pairs of gay men that are in love with each other. And I guess any time that type of thing is kind of like played for laughs or there's just like... It, that that just kind of like stings me in the way of like gay representation at least with my upbringing was so uncommon like of course it's so common now but um was quite uncommon in any time that there was just like an included gay guy to be mocked it was like uh, at least we're there but and we're making people laugh but yeah, <laughs> we're not really yeah. being treated like people <laughs> um 
Yeah, and in some ways, I suppose it, it like I don't know, picked at that scar of like, yeah. oh, are we going back here again? Like, yeah. have, have we? I don't know. Are people sick of us already? Like, did Modern Family and everyone else like, have it, has everyone decided that we've been like overrepresented and now we're pinatas again? Mm. Um, but yeah, but that of course speaks so much of like my trauma and like you know yeah. society which we live in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I suppose yeah, that was part of it, I guess. Um, yeah, and even moments as well as as you say, like the the hostage wanting to come in and join the Kelly gang and that being, being sort of like, a big kind of like funny kink moment. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, that too being, um, I don't know, people's sexualities being, for comic effect, of course, to some extent defining them and then that being a reason that they become worthy of derision. Mm-hmm. I suppose that too, just, yeah, again, as a, <laughs> tediously as a gay man, that, that being a thing that I suppose I'm just mm. ready to be hurt by, yeah. I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Does any of that kind of resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's 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 funny because a lot of the time, I think, you know, for me, it was really important that the show was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And to have lots of jokes, and so I think maybe sometimes at the expense of, you know, keeping up the gag ratio, maybe there's yeah, there's been some points, there's parts of the show that are like, yeah. I focus too much on the gag than maybe than what it represents, like what it says in a broader yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, no, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I definitely think like when writing, it was really important for me to be like, oh yeah, uh, jokes are really important because if people aren't laughing, like why the fuck are they here like, sure. at this show? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. And I think, and I, and I wonder too whether some of the aspects of me trying to take the piss out of masculinity, take the piss out of Ned Kelly, like maybe that's attributed it to as well. Like, I th- I've often wondered, like, and I, the, someone who, Meg, who helped, like, dramaturge some of the, the show, and, like, I, I said to them, like, because I've kind of got, like, a, lots of things in the show on the boil, so it's like, there's the queer element, there's the... Um, absurd comedy that I'm really into stuff and then there's like the historical retelling Mm. and like all kind of (laughs) and like and trying to like have jokes and like stories that kind of like that hit all those things so you know I don't know how many people know the Ned Kelly story like historically or any history fans who came to the show but (laughs) I'd love to hear their feedback on it like Mm. um, because um I kind of have, I, I did, st- I stuck to it more than I thought I would, like... Sure, so like the actual would, history of him. Yeah, yeah, but making things absurd or, yeah. like, parodying a bit of it. Um, mm. Like, he was never, he never had his arm shot off and... Oh, that never happened! No, it didn't, unfortunately, <laughs> or it, they never... It did it, make me question, though, because I thought, it, he must have researched this, did yeah. he lose his arm? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, no. He didn't. And, you know, it, that's a classic example of he lost his arm and in the song... Peter Lawler, who was one of Ned Kelly's heroes in the gold rush of the Eureka Rebellion, lost uh-huh. his arm in the battle. Oh. And there's the joke of, did anyone... Um, I'm Ned Kelly, not Peter Lawler. Did anyone Oh, is that the that joke, joke that no one laughed at? Yeah. That's, that's really clever. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I'm explaining well it. No, what a great. good joke. No, no. Um, but it's funny, uh, some people from Sovereign Hill came and they know the Peter Lawler story. And when they heard that, they loved it. And Incredible. I was like, great. I was like, this is a one percenter joke, and I'm keeping it in because, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, 
yeah, for any of those history fans. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, I think I had a lot of those on the, um, on the boil, and so trying to find that balance of like, I think that was interesting as a writer mm. and director to try like me wanting to like have that kind of trinity of um, absurdity, queerness, and um, history, and trying to let all those things. So like, I was yeah. often like, does this show make sense? Like. Yeah, sure, they're performing it and they're doing something funny, but does it, like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, God, that alchemy sounds really complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then trying not to get complicated. Like, I'm definitely... I really struggle to work with people who are really logical and who <laughs> make um, work, like, you know, uh, being in rooms with people who, like... I, I butt heads with because I'm more like let's get on the floor let's see what works if it's mm. if it's something that's entertaining and working fuck mm. cool we're in a good spot whereas yeah. other people are like no no I think we really need to take a step back what's the logic of this world what's the how does that all work and that bores the shit out of me yeah but I also understand that in my work because of that there's probably going to be plot holes and flaws <laughs> and that doesn't make or if that doesn't make sense it's like cool well let's make a shit bridging wafer fin storyline to make that yeah <laughs> they can fly bridge. now sorry yeah yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or just like let it happen and not explain it and it's like oh yeah. okay that's just happening because that's what happens in this world um but that also excites me seeing stuff like that as well yeah um, i know it's not everyone's cup of tea but um you know movies like evil dead 2 floored me because <laughs> i just just like it's just so creative and like the Daniels with everything everywhere all at once or um, Swiss Army Man, like, mm. oh, just so, like, refreshing to my brain, yeah, whatever yeah, that yeah. is, so, yeah. No, that's wonderful, no, and for sure, and it's like, I wish there were more people sort of, like, vociferously, like, <laughs> endorsing the exact thing that you're describing as well, because even, like, the belief that a plot hole renders a piece of art less good is also a very, like, stodgy, old, boring way to even be perceiving art in the first place. Mm. And it's like, leave then. Don't see any more of Kane's show. There's going to be plot holes and stuff. <laughs> Fall into the plot hole. Yeah. Yes, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if there's any way to describe my show, like I hope, like I kind of... <laughs> you fall into the plot hole and there's a whole cave. It's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Which is so surprising and exciting because like, I want, what, like what's inside a plot hole? Yeah. That's a fun question to try to answer theatrically. Yeah, like all that, that type is... of nonsense. My goodness. No, and it's great that someone like you that is excited by those things is like at the helm of that type of art. That's the people we need there. Fewer logicians and more people <laughs> like you. Yeah. God, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And yeah, thinking about this, I'm certainly grateful for like the extent to which it's made me sort of like think about craftsmanship theatrically um, and think about like think about like representation. Think about because um, even yeah, thinking about the way of like talking about as you say like the show sort of like part of its genesis being wanting to poke fun at and enrage like Southern Cross tattoo bearing people, and then also wanting to like take elements I suppose of gayness and then use that as part of the method for exploring it, even though it was like born of a snappy title, <laughs> to then of course have to take that from there and then. Yeah, develop with that idea throughout and then to see what it's turned into. And yeah, and yeah, I suppose it's made me think about it. Maybe this leads nowhere in terms of like a thought experiment, but having, and correct me if I'm wrong, but having in terms of the people like on stage, there being neither a gay man nor a straight man, maybe, I don't know if that's even interesting to point out or think about, but mm. that being, and that's not me giving you advice. That's a thing I've been thinking about. Of yeah, like, no, that is. Yeah. That and is. I guess in some way connects somewhat to like that whole old idea of like uh, punching up and punching down and punching yeah. sideways and... Yeah, and like who's participating in the conversation that you're trying to instigate 
or even just to have on stage in isolation. Yeah, that's just like fun stuff that you yeah. that your work's made me think about, which I've enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is super interesting. Mm. It has been like, you know, even auditioning and um, seeing a few Drag King shows, it, it was interesting seeing how some people, and you guys kind of talked about it on your last podcast, about, you know, drag queens kind of making take, like actually taking the piss out of women. Yeah. And, I, and I, there were some people, um, some, you know, shows I saw where it felt a little bit like that with men, like, which is totally fine because men are fucking shit. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it was really interesting to to see, to see that, and that was something I even spoke to the um, actors about, like, hey, this is Drag King. We've, it's, we've got to remember, like, it's a celebration of men mm. and in all their flaws. Sure. Uh, and yeah, is that and generally the essence of being a drag king? Drag celebration, or is it? I don't know. Okay, and, sure. And like, I feel like I don't have the authority. Oh, great, to say good. That. Yeah, but, <laughs> but something a few people said to me, uh, like, uh, was yeah, it's. You, I guess you don't want to come see a show and be like, oh, I think these people, like, it's just a big old like, fuck you, men, you men suck, and let's like make fun of them, and it's like, oh, I definitely didn't want it to be like that. Yeah, yeah. And trying to, like, separating, like, the, like, masculine energy can be masculine energy rather than being attached to a male identity or, you know, feminine identity. And so, yeah, really trying to play up into masculine, that mess masculine energy and what that feels like and how fun that is. Mm. Um, Yeah. Um, amazing. Kate, again, I'm so grateful that you were happy to come in, um, because yeah, yeah, especially like, yeah, on the tail end of, yeah, my uh, conversation with Sebastiano and like seeing the show and all the feelings and whatnot, I, yeah, grateful because like, I don't know, it's been my feeling for a long time, like being offended as in terms of like anything you experience, but let's talk about theatre specifically. Mm. To be offended by theatre is like, first off, what a gift. And secondly, (laughs) (laughs) and secondly, like, I always have considered it to be like, it's the beginning of a conversation as opposed to like the end of one, you know? Like, you don't get to feel that way and then be like, oh, that's invalid. Oh, I'm smarter than this. Oh, hurt my feelings. It's like, that's such a garbage way to exist. And so, and that is, and that is to put too simplistic a a point on the way that I felt watching your show, because (laughs) regardless of the complex confusions and the the feelings that were heard or whatever while I was watching it, it was so dwarfed by just like the, (laughs) the magnificent, like hyper talented collection of people you have and the art that you put on and, and for all the things that I just said in a a parade of words. Mm. Yeah. So glad that you were comfortable coming and talking to me about it. And, and I know more about you and the show now. And yeah, I just, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's thank like, you, Jake. No, and, my God. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm so into, uh, having conver- having these hard gray, sticky conversations because, mm. you know, in a world of social media where it just feels like you're one side or the other, like everything feels so black and white. It's really nice to, um, to talk about that. And, um, you know, I think some comedians can get a bit like, well, if you're offended, you're offended, that's your fucking problem. And I, I feel like that's not a... I feel like that's not good either. <laughs> like, sure. just, just to, like, to have some... You know, if someone is offended and be like, well, I'm offended, bleh, fuck them. But then to have other people being like, you're offended, fuck you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. N- nothing gets done. And yeah. we can't have, like, reflection and give space. And, yeah, so thank you for having me. No, really oh my god, that. my god, anytime. Really no, yeah. and yeah, no, and yeah, can't wait to see what comes of like the stuff you want to make next, what happens with this show and what it becomes. Mm. Um, yeah, oh my god, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate <laughs> it.